0: Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
1: Time to reinvent the physical exam. This is Journal Report. Timely topics, important information from the Wall Street Journal. Welcome to Journal Report. I'm Jennifer Strong in New York. As much as modern medicine has changed with technology, one place you really don't see it is in that annual trip to the doctor for a physical. Joining us now via Skype from Baltimore is Wall Street Journal contributor Dr. Peter Pronovost. He practices and teaches at Johns Hopkins. Peter, you say in the technology-thick landscape of modern healthcare, the physical exam remains in the backwoods. Jennifer, if you look
0: at the advances in medicine are breathtaking. We could now Cure cancers, we can mend minds, we can heal hearts, but when you go to that annual physical exam, it is the same as it was a century ago. You walk in, you disrobe, you say ah and open your mouth, you have somebody look into your eyes, we listen to your heart with a stethoscope, and it hasn't changed much. And the problem is it could be made so much more effective if we leverage technology to support it.
1: You note in your piece a number of interesting technologies that exist but haven't made it into the doctor's office, including the next generation of stethoscope. What's that like?
0: Well, Jennifer, when you look at advances in technology, there's some very focused things that can help us. We still listen to your heart and your lungs to diagnose disease or to see if you have an arrhythmia or if you have a heart murmur. But that relies on us hearing and then interpreting it. There's computers now that could elevate the sounds or augment the sound so it's easier to hear because some of these could be really, really subtle like the lub-dub or hearing a whoosh if there's a murmur of blood flowing back. And they could actually listen to those sounds, and a computer could interpret it to say, hey, this sounds like you might have a murmur, or this sounds like it's something more serious. You better go and look at it. And what it would do would be reduce the risk of diagnostic errors and more quickly tell the patient whether you're worried or you're not worried at all.
1: What about high-tech goggles? You mentioned those that track minuscule eye movements. What do those tell you?
0: Jennifer, that technology is fascinating and a great example of the power of what we can do with leveraging technology. My colleague, David Newman-Toker, who is studying this, found that when people show up to the doctor's office or the emergency department with dizziness, much of it is benign, but there's some of those patients that are actually having a stroke, and of course we'd want to treat it. And the best way to diagnose that stroke isn't with some fancy imaging, it's actually through a physical exam looking at subtle eye movements. Very subtle that there may be several hundred people in the country who are experts in reading them accurately to say stroke, no stroke. Well, we could try to train people to be those experts, but this is very, very subtle. What we've done is we've used goggles that the patient puts them on It records the patient's eye movements, and then a computer interprets them if those eye movements are consistent with the patient having a stroke. There's some 30,000 missed strokes from this dizziness a year in the US. The broad use of this technology could dramatically reduce those risks.
1: Also, you say in an age of wearable health apps and remote patient monitoring, There's a lot of data out there that could be useful to doctors.
0: Well, Jennifer, you're absolutely right. And that data is growing. So patients are wearing monitors at home that tell us about their glucose, that tell us about their weight, that tell us about their blood pressure, that tell us about their mood. That all which could give us vital information to help patients stay well and thrive. One of the challenges is though, that none of that data are integrated into a platform. So for you to go to your doctor and give him a report or a download of 500 blood pressure medicines that you've had over the last year or month, it's quite overwhelming to say, what do I do that? And so we need mechanisms to integrate and digest that information. For example, we may say, well, what was your average blood pressure? Or what was the range of your blood pressures? and we need to be able to integrate it with these other apps, and, and that, I think, Jennifer, is where the future's really going to go, because right now, we're having the explosion of one-off apps, I, I'm gonna wear this at home, or I'm gonna go wear that at home, but they're all separate pieces of data, and the patient has to wear different devices, but then the physician has to try to integrate those, and I think what we'll be seeing in the future is those data will all be integrated into a platform just like the cockpit of an airplane. You wouldn't think of going into a cockpit and having the data from the landing gear not be sent to the cockpit so the pilot could see if the landing gear is up or down. But that's how it is right now when you come into your doctor's office. We think that's going to change and patients will be far better off for it.
1: We're talking about the annual physical exam with Peter Pronovost, and you're listening to Journal Report from the Wall Street Journal.
0: Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihadprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Peter, you say a problem is the hodgepodge way our healthcare system has introduced technology. How do we address this?
0: Jennifer, on the one hand, this explosion of innovation is really beneficial. But it's been happening with this a thousand flowers bloom mentality rather than being it is designed to fit into an integrated system let me give you an example for our personal technology it makes sense to have all this unencumbered innovation but you wouldn't go add a new app to a plane without testing it or making sure it feeds into the cockpit so you can see it you wouldn't do it on a submarine or in an uh in the nuclear industry where stakes are high. Well, healthcare is one of these high stakes industries, but we haven't brought systems engineering or system integration approaches to this. So yes, we need to call for innovation to solve problems, but we have to make sure that those technologies are integrated, they fit into a platform, and they actually feed information to help patients stay well. I am pitched probably a dozen new apps a week. Some may look like they're great potential and they're really innovative, but none of them talk to each other, so every one of them requires a new interface. I have to test them. We have to see if they actually could be used safely. And what we think the future will be will be much like it there is for the submarine industry right now. And it's a great metaphor, Jennifer. The submarine industry ensures that there's always a state-of-the-art submarine ready at the beck and call. Now technology changes and it advances. So when they have a new problem to solve, they put out a call for innovation and it stimulates it and people go invent new things. But that innovation has to be integrated and fit into the submarine so that it works as a seamless whole. Healthcare hasn't done that yet. We think there's great innovation so you could integrate a seamless physical exam that takes the state of the art of stethoscopes and eye movements and things to listen to your lungs all as a whole. Perhaps integrating a clinic or an ICU that these pieces work together to help productivity, to help safety, and to reduce waste.
1: That's Wall Street Journal contributor Dr. Peter Pronovost at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been a delight. And thank you for listening. I'm Jennifer Strong in the newsroom in New York. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.